This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Good Monday to you. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast. I'm Sean Kelly, and it is a beautiful day in New Orleans and the start of an incredibly busy and exciting week for the Pelicans and the Saints. Congratulations, of course, to the Pelicans as they win and clinch the series on Saturday night at the Smoothie King Center. And uh, hats off to you all Pelicans fans. You all provided an unbelievable atmosphere for games three and four and helped the Pelicans become the first team uh, this year to advance the second round. Uh, the sweep of the Blazers. Uh, I, I thought New Orleans would win the series. I didn't see a sweep coming. Uh, nonetheless, fantastic stuff. And we saw, of course, uh, the full star power of Anthony Davis in the round, and especially on Saturday. Drew Holiday was unbelievable as well. Think about that. Those two guys combining for more than 80 points uh, in the win and kind of carrying carrying the thing home and keeping the team off an airplane. Uh, we would be in Portland right now for this Monday Black and Blue Report if it weren't for those two guys shouldering the load on on Saturday. So exciting times. We await now the winner of the Golden State San Antonio series. I still firmly believe it's going to be the Warriors at this point, but it's now 3-1 after San Antonio took game four uh, yesterday afternoon at the AT&T Center. So a lot of people have been asking about this. Look, just know this. The series cannot start earlier than Saturday. Okay, even if Golden State wins tomorrow night and clinches, there's no way it's going to start on Thursday or Friday. The earliest it can start, round two for the Pelicans here, is on Saturday at Oracle Arena. So anticipate, if you're kind of thinking ahead here, anticipate either Saturday or Sunday for game one. That's all I got. Everybody in this building right now is kind of on the edge of their seat trying to figure out their their lives for the next two and a half weeks because of the schedule and the fallout and whatnot. That is only compounded by the fact that it is NFL Draft Week. How about that? All the run-up is now over. I mean, we're just hours away now. Thursday night, round one begins. We're going to have a lot of coverage for you on NewOrleansSaints.com starting on Thursday at, I want to say, 5 p.m. Central. Keep that in mind. A full preview show of the NFL Draft uh, that includes the Saints selecting at the moment 27th in the in the opening round. So uh, look for that later this week. And, of course, on our Wednesday Black and Blue Report, we'll be heavy, heavy on the draft. And hopefully, maybe we'll know more about the start of the Pelicans-Warriors series. So with all that in mind today, two fantastic guests for you. We're going to start on the football side with Wes Durham today. Uh, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons joins us to share not only his thoughts on the Falcons and their offseason, but also a couple of general thoughts overall about this, uh, this year's NFL draft. Just know this, the Falcons select right in front of the Saints, as, at least as it's scheduled right now. Uh, Atlanta does have seven picks in this year's draft. They're coming off the 10-6 and six season, and West Durham will be a part of our coverage here today. And then on the basketball side, we welcome back our good friend Mark Spears from ESPN's The Undefeated. Obviously, his thoughts on the New Orleans Pelicans, what transpired in the first uh, opening round series for them, and then looking ahead to probably the Warriors as the second-round opponent, and then I do pick his brain a little bit on some other matters across the league. One of our, well, actually, both two of our really favorite guests. I mean, if we, if Daniel and I sat down and made a list of 10 favorite Black and Blue Report guests, regulars, 
I think Mark Spears and Wes Durham are on the list. And so we start off this week just the right way. So with that, we'll take a break. When we come back again, Wes Durham, voice of the Falcons, followed up then by Mark Spears from ESPN's The Undefeated. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing touchdown Saints, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. Our NFL Draft preview now kind of swings toward our own division, the NFC South, as we gear up for the start of uh, the festivities on Thursday. And so we'll go with the Atlanta Falcons on this Monday. And as promised, Wes Durham, the voice of the Falcons, kind enough to join us back here on our humble podcast. And uh, strangely (laughs) enough, the Falcons select right in front of the Saints in round number one on Thursday night, or at least we think. On paper, we'll see how it plays yeah, out. Wes, yeah. first of all, great to have you. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Sean. It's good to be with you, and it's always uh, it's a fascinating time of year because uh, I'm a firm believer that certain teams smokescreen things, and they get everybody who does one of these mocks, and there are thousands of them, as we all now know. Uh, I'm convinced that certain teams smokescreen better than others. And I'm anxious to see where this draft is going to start. I think it's either going to start at three with the Jets or it's going to start at five with the Broncos, who apparently, from everything I've been able to glean here in the last couple of weeks, and I'll be honest, I have a hard time going through the periphery of this until about the last 10 days before the draft when I really start kind of sitting down and reading and looking and trying to you know, find angles that would be intriguing. I think the Broncos, the one thing I can find that's consistent, they want to trade five. They're just looking for a deal. I mean, they're looking for the best deal for them. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how Thursday night goes. And then after that, as we all know, all hell can break loose once they get to two and three and then the, the Saturday, which tends to be teams trading cop picks back and forth on one another, you know, for years to come more than anything else. Yeah, uh, teams – not seeing much to gain by, I guess, selecting at that moment. Um, Wes, some of the national talk here is that there's a lot of sexy and and sizzling uh, scenarios in the top, say, 10 to 15 picks overall. And then after that, sure. it, it seemingly is hard to determine what would be a late first round or even a third round quality pick for a team. So that that to me sounds much different than what we've witnessed the last couple of years. What about you? Well, I think so. I think the other part about this is, in the particular case of the NFC South, you have a lot of stability with three of these four teams. Okay, in the in the division, I you know I look at Atlanta, and really they need the one thing they need is somebody in the defensive line. Okay, and Taven Bryan is the one that everybody keeps coming back to, and it's almost unilateral on every mock draft that that's who Atlanta will take. There was one draft out there that had them taking Calvin Ridley in the first first round, and Look, Calvin Ridley is probably going to be a really good pro out of Alabama, but I just don't see Atlanta's need at wide receiver in the first round. I see the need at receiver in round two, uh, maybe even with the third-round pick. 
Uh, I think they'll take a, a wide receiver somewhere two, three, or four. How's that? Okay. I don't think they're going to take a wide receiver at 26. Um, I look at the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I mean, you know, they obviously got Dontari Poe from Atlanta in free agency. Uh, Jeremiah Searles is the is the new replacement at left guard at the ever-evolving, you know, tackle spot. Khalil and Darrell Williams when they're healthy. Ryan Khalil, if they're healthy. Trey Turner, they seem okay. Tampa's the one, you know, Bo Allen's a pretty good player at Philadelphia. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by. Um, you know, they haven't really done anything offensively to, to change my dynamic. Um, you know, I look at New Orleans. Cam Meredith's coming off the ACL he sustained last year in the preseason game at Tennessee for Chicago. Uh, you know, I, I think with Michael Thomas, I saw Willie Sneed took the – they're not going to match the Willie Sneed offer sheet, so he's going to go to New England. Uh, you know, think about how well the Saints did last year in the draft, though, Sean. You know, I mean, you got Marcus, you got Marshawn Lattimore, you had Marcus Williams. You, I mean, you, you accomplished a lot in your Camara. You did a lot in the draft last year. So, really, three of these four teams in this division are detail-oriented at this point. It's a spot here, it's a spot there. Um, I will say I'm fascinated by the – the you know kind of this talk in New England and in New Orleans about needing a quarterback. <laughs> um, I don't know if you need. I don't think you need any of the big four. I think you can with Sean Payton and and the way the offense is built with Pete Carmichael. I think you can groom a guy. Um, you know, and Tom Savage is not awful. <laughs> you know, the guy I saw the guy in Pittsburgh when he was in college. He can sling it and. So I don't think I don't think it's a boat without an oar uh, behind Drew Brees. The New England situation might be a little more dire, to be honest with you. But at this point, uh, I, I'd say that Tampa's the one that we got to keep an eye on, and, and obviously they pick early on Thursday night. Yeah, they do. Um, I'm, I'm going to chum the water a little bit here, Wes, knowing that the Falcons have seven picks, if I'm not mistaken, two seventh-round right. selections. If I made you put your wallet on the table here um, – which team trades up? Oh, I think New England's got two first-round picks. If you're talking about out of the South or just period? Just out of the South, I guess, specifically. Do, do any of those guys um, try and jump up to get that one need uh, to, to finish off their stable situation? Maybe Carolina. I'm not sure. I, I don't think Atlanta's got enough across the board. To entice somebody now they might be able to go 26 into the teens, but i'm not sure that and again i you know, i'm like you i know this stuff on the periphery i'm not in the draft meeting i'm not in the player personnel stuff mm -hmm. i don't think thomas dimitrov nicky loomis marty herney the gms of the three respective teams in the nfc south feel like they need to go very hard or very far in this to make a move um, because I don't think it's as dire a need right now. I mean, I think they can get what they want where they are. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, I, I think the teams that have, like, New England is the one I mentioned a minute ago. I think teams with two number ones can do some things. You know, if, if you're telling me New England's going to offer the two number ones for a swap up at the top from Denver at five, I could see that happening. Yeah. I think Denver. I think Denver would do the two ones for the one at five deal in a heartbeat. I think they'd do that deal today. But I don't think any of the other three are going to make much of a move. And I think it's pretty simple for Tampa. If Tampa, if uh, if Jason Light and those guys will sit tight, I think they'll get what they want. They don't have to move either. 
And that's, you know what, for the first time in, what, three, four years, that's pretty calming for the NFC South. This has been a, it's been a division that's, uh, you know, built hard to be one of the better divisions in football, and I think it's there and doesn't really have to, uh, doesn't really have to change a whole big dynamic to do it. That's a great point. Wes Durham with his voice of the Falcons. Wes, for those fans who have not been able to really, uh, I guess, take in the fullness of the Falcons' offseason, what would you say that the Falcons accomplished in the free agency period and how did that affect uh, as some of the draft needs that you pointed out earlier in our visit? Well, I think what they've done basically is they took Brandon Fusco in a free agency from San Francisco. They had to do something at right guard. It was never solidified last year between uh, uh, between Ben Garland and Wes Schweitzer. It just never materialized. It was thought to be competitive. And at the end, by the time they, they finally ended up playing one of them, they found out that the competitive nature of the position, it just wasn't very good. That's why it was so competitive. Neither guy could grab it. So they went out and signed Brandon Fusco in free agency to play right guard. And Andy Levitri, if he's able to come back from the bicep injury, will be the left guard. So the offensive line will be intact left to right, which is you know obviously something that's very important to them offensively. Um, they'll have also as a result of that a little bit of depth too, Sean, and I think that's something you can't buy on the street. The other thing they had to do was they had to say goodbye to a draft pick in Levine Toilolo. They had to make a conscientious decision to say, hey, we're just not getting that done. Mm-hmm. And so they took Logan Paulson. They signed Logan Paulson as a free agent. And, you know, he was in D.C., and I thought he had a pretty good move in Washington. Uh, obviously got caught in the Jordan Reed deal there. Reed missed a lot of games with injury. Paulson ends up with some undervalued reps. And I think he's a guy that can come in and team with Austin Hooper to be effective. Um, Elsewise, they really haven't done a whole lot. They, you know, they got Justin Bessel from Arizona in free agency. And I'll be honest with you, Justin Bessel is as much as a, a, a piece in the secondary as, and you know this, he's a star on special teams. He's a guy that you got to have. And Atlanta's just not been very good in teams here recently, Yeah, especially in the cover and return games. And, look, they had Andre Roberts here for a year and had no issue whatsoever saying goodbye to Andre Roberts after one year. Um, and I, I think it shows you that Atlanta knows that they have to do – you have to do some tweaking if you're an organization that's been to the playoffs in back-to-back years in order to maintain any of that success. And I think Atlanta realized that – Justin Bethel was a piece they needed to have. He's a kid from South Carolina who played his college ball at Presbyterian. He wanted to be back east. I think he was willing to do a deal and bet on the house a little bit, and I think he'll be a really good player here once they get him in and, and figure it out. Uh, they got Marcellus Branch and also in free agency, too. Um, Tyson Graham is here. Garrison Smith is here to fight some reps and um, – in Seattle, he's had some time in San Francisco. He played collegiately at Georgia coming here. But outside of that, they, they didn't go they didn't go big game hunting in free agency. And, and to be honest with you, nobody expected them to. Yeah, didn't need to. I, I, I agree. Hey, uh, Wes, real quick, I know our time is short. Last question, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, who in the Atlanta Falcons uh, facility uh, tarked off the league office to where you are opening, I think, with Philadelphia on the road? Uh, in the upcoming season. I, I didn't think – I thought everybody liked Atlanta. What's what's the deal? <laughs> you know, I don't know, but it's uh, – you know, you can strap it up if you're the Falcons now. I mean, it's uh, – you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be 16 games in 17 weeks, and it'll be full contact on it. I mean, 
uh, opening night at Philadelphia. I figured that the last two NFC champions is what they were going for there. Um, there was not a Philadelphia-New England rematch in the schedule rotation this year, so why do it? Uh, like they've been able to kind of, you know, cut the last couple of years. Uh, Atlanta stayed away from the New England matchup a year ago. Uh, they didn't want any part of it, and the league didn't either. Um, so I guess uh, they take Philadelphia this year. And to be honest with you, I think we both know how this is going to go. It's it's really going to be more about Philly than it is Atlanta leading up to that opening night. And the whole pressure on Philadelphia is going to be, oh, Carson Wentz is coming back? Oh, yeah, well, he had a lot to do with the Super Bowl. Well, wait, no, he didn't. And so, you know, the, the storyline that night is going to be Atlanta's just going to be, you know, kind of like Rocky Balboa showing up for the Apollo Creed coronation, if you will. Yep. Like how I did that, Philadelphia, Rocky, Balboa. Yeah. This, yeah. this is why we have you. This is why we have you. <laughs> if, it, if it's going to be an 80s movies reference, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to help your demographic on the black and blue, right? Well, you're working me over pretty good. I like that. You know, the rest will take care of itself. <laughs> Um, and, and as you full well know, most listening to this podcast here today, Wes, will not be sending any uh, condolences or, you know, get well soon balloon bouquets uh, over there to uh, flower. Well, and, and, and just just yeah, just promise me you're not going to have those cats that came out at halftime of the game last year wearing the Olivia Newton-John, you know, costumes to spell out 28-3 on the field. Look, I think the 28-3 thing has worn itself thin uh, most everywhere, although – I did see uh, somebody holding up signs during the Boston Marathon, and far yeah. be it from me for, for to, to criticize anyone from New England or Boston to wear something out completely. Oh, wait a minute. They do that all the time. Um, <laughs> on that note, my friend, uh, I'll look yeah. forward to uh, an off-season chat here shortly and uh, enjoy the festivities this week. I don't know if you're a draft kind of geek. Uh, but enjoy. Some people really get into this this, well, this time of year. We're doing a. Uh, you'll appreciate this. We're doing a six and a half hour radio show Thursday night. I'm I'm just gonna just not comment on that. <laughs> hey, we start at six. We anticipate finishing at twelve thirty. And, and and you know, it, it, it always helped to watch the Jerry Lewis telephone when I was a kid. I always thought this is the one night it helped. I don't know who will have more airtime, you, Lou Rawls, or Jerry Lewis, uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, so you remember Lou Rawls? Oh, come on. Yes, yes. Speaking of 80s references. Uh, oh, God. Well played, my friend. Godspeed to you this week, and uh, we wish you all the best, and thank you, sir. Same to you in Golden State, if it, if it is in fact Golden State, unless San Antonio makes one of the great comebacks of all time, right? It would be uh, historical, to say the least. I'll put my money on the Warriors, even though I don't normally yeah. do that, as far as the league office is concerned. Um, on that note, Wes, thank you very much. Anytime, Sean. Yep, voice of the Falcons, Wes Durham with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Speaking of the Warriors, we'll talk potentially Warriors-Pelicans. Mark Spears with us in just a moment. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. 
We're talking NBA playoffs on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We continue with one of our good friends in New Orleans' own Mark Spears, who, uh, even though he lives on the West Coast, always has his heart here in the Big Easy. And uh, we welcome him back from ESPN's The Undefeated. Mark, first of all, uh, happy belated birthday, by the way. Wasn't that this weekend? Yeah, man, it was Sunday. I turned 21 again. You know, thanks for the shout-out. Yeah. You know, hey, man, any, any any birthday above ground is a good birthday, brother. That's a good one. You're right. And uh, let me ask you, as many times as you've turned 21 now. Um, well, the- wait, wait, wait. Let me, let, me, let me stop that because above ground in New Orleans is has a different meaning to it, right? <laughs> well, true. Um, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But in a general, most people on the planet way, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't apply there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Um, I guess maybe breathing, we should. Breathing, breathing. Breathing or right. not lying down. Maybe we'll do that. There you go. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> uh, hey, Mark, obviously the Pelicans are the talk of the town right now, rightfully so. Your thoughts on what you've seen here as New Orleans, strangely enough on this Monday, is the only team that's found a way to advance the second round thus far. Man, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for the Pelicans the franchise, the players, and even the city. Um, you know, I've been waiting for the city of New Orleans to kind of, like, finally jump in and, and and fully, like, embrace this team. And obviously there's been some struggles. Um, uh, there's been some natural disasters that played a role in things. And, and given it this franchise some very unique and odd circumstances, um, but to see a packed house, to see an excited house, to see that it seems like everybody's finally buying in is great. And you have, you know, one of the elite players in the game to follow, a, a fun supporting cast. You know, this to me may be the team that finally gets people to. I mean, look, you're, you're never going to be as popular as the Saints. The Saints have been there forever. But at least to make it people consider it seriously to say, you know, I want to go to the game. I want tickets. And, you know, even my aunt who she's got Pelicans fever and loves basketball and everything. She's like, you know what, next year I I think I want to get season tickets. I want to buy, you know, so, and she's a casual basketball fan. So I'm guessing that there's going to be more and more people like that that are super excited about these playoffs and, you know, what they're doing and, uh, proud and, and want to be a, a piece of more than just casually watching the team on TV from time to time. You mentioned Anthony Davis. Mark, you know, we've always talked about the elite players, I, I guess, cementing their legacy or, or proving their worth with postseason play. Uh, is this the opportunity that Anthony Davis needs now to make sure he's firmly in the conversation of the most elite in the league? Oh, I mean, he – the only thing that's kept him from being there is injury. Um, you know, a couple years ago, if it wasn't for uh, the injuries, there were people starting to say, myself included, that he could be the best player in the game. And so um, I think he has to continue to rise off of this. And, and the biggest nemesis for him, his biggest kryptonite, has always been injury. Um I do hope that uh, and perhaps this is something that, you know, 
he could improve on is just getting better with just being available to the media, uh, being more open, doing longer interviews, you know, showing more of his personality. I mean, I think, you know, some of the stars in the league have done themselves a lot of uh, service by becoming media darlings. And, and that's not to say that he has to be a media darling, but I think the um, NBA fans would love to know more about him. Uh, don't know a lot about him other than his, his you know, his unibrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And don't really know his story. Don't, they know he went to Kentucky. They know he has a unibrow. They know he plays in New Orleans. They know he's a great player. And that's pretty much what it's limited to. So, you know, hopefully he'll be more open to to just being uh, available to tell his story more, to, to do lengthier interviews, because I think it'd be great for him, for the Pelicans, uh, for, for fans that, that they get to know more about this superstar who, because of the team's struggles and because of his injuries, perhaps people weren't pressing for his story as much. But now's the time to tell the world who he is on and off the court. Mark Spears is with us here from ESPN's The Undefeated. Mark, if Anthony Davis is the number one reason why the Pelicans are now in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs, um, what's the number two reason? Mm. Um, you have a team where everybody knows their role. You know, nobody outsteps their game. I mean, Drew Holiday has been a fantastic scorer and a fantastic defender. I didn't shoot. I didn't know he had hops like that. <laughs> the hops that we saw in the first round. Rondo's being the leader he is, the point guard that I've known him to be when I used to cover the Celtics, and great defender. And, you know, everybody else is just doing what they can. Nobody's trying to do too much, as you see with some players and other teams kind of, you know, trying to hit home runs all the time. Every, it, the guys on your team that are singles hitters get singles. The guys that are home run hitters hit home runs. Anthony Davis hits grand slams. You know what I mean? But uh, well, another thing is I think that, you know, despite what happened to Cousins, everybody just instead of feeling sorry for themselves, they stepped up and, I'd be remiss in not mentioning the, the fantastic job that Alvin Gentry has done as a head coach. Phenomenal job, a coaching year job. Um, it, there's so many people that can get coach of the year consideration, and he, if he won, I don't, I don't know that anybody could cry about that. So I, I think uh, Alvin's done an amazing job, and, and you know I got to give Dell credit too for, you know, getting Miritich. You know, being aggressive and finding somebody, and I know they tried to get Greg Monroe too, um, but getting a, a, a guy that has a contract in Meritage for next year, so even if Anthony Davis can't come back to midseason, your team is still a good team, uh, assuming that Cousins returns, and I think there's a good chance that he does. Uh, so I, I, I think there's just a combination of things that, have made them a, a very scary team to play in the NBA playoff. And surely, assuming they play the Warriors, they'll, they'll still be the favorites. But 
it ain't going to be easy. And I'm sure when they get back to the Smoothie King, it, it's going to be a really tough place to play, too. Let's let's continue on that premise that you're referring to with regard to round two. And I think that, you know, we're all in agreement here that Golden State will eventually win this series with San Antonio, possibly as early as tomorrow night. Mark, obviously the, the champs should be the favorite in the series, but what what do you see in that matchup now between New Orleans and Golden State? Well, the biggest question is, will I see Curry? <laughs> like, and when will you see Curry? Um, based on what the NBA has said, the earliest the second-round series can start is Saturday or Sunday. So I think a lot of Warriors fans have this misconception that since the since the Warriors lost game four in San Antonio, that that could potentially push that schedule back and allow Curry to get more time. Because I've, I've kind of heard that Curry needs another week, which if they were to play this weekend could mean he might miss a game one, you know. Um, but I, I just think that if the Warriors complete the series on Tuesday against the Spurs, there was no way, absolutely no way that my employer and perhaps in the ESPN and the other, other channel showing games is going to let Warriors Pelicans game one not be shown this weekend. It's happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I do stunned if there's not a game one next Saturday or Sunday. Whether Curry will be involved, I think it's 50-50 right now. Um He's getting reevaluated on Friday. The Warriors play on a much higher level, a scarier level, the best in the world level when Stephen Curry is on that roster. Even if he is just getting back, it, it takes their team to another level. Without him, they're vulnerable. The Pelicans beat them in Oakland the last time they played without Stephen Curry. So my guess right now is that Curry misses game one over the weekend and is ready for game two. Um, but uh, I guess we'll know more on Friday. Yeah, we'll, th- we'll know more tomorrow, too, based on what happens. Correct, correct, and, and whether that series moves forward or not. Hey, Mark, um, let's just take this week. Um, if I could only give you one series that's still working right now to watch this week, which one are you taking, east or west? Hey. Dang, just one, huh? Just one. Um, you only get one. You know, Utah, Oklahoma City. Utah, Oklahoma City. Uh, I think that's going to go seven. Uh, it's it's uh it's been a fun series so far, evenly matched. You got a young star, the MVP, going at it. Um, and another one just to keep an eye on. And I know you didn't ask me that, but I'm gonna throw this in there anyway. The split series of Washington and Toronto. That's kind of a surprise. I thought Toronto could run away with the series, but now it's become something. And, you know, the number one seed certainly has a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. Speaking of the East, um, all this talk about Philadelphia. Is it, are they for real? And, and, and Mark, maybe I'm, I'm going to get personal here. Is it good for the league? If Philadelphia wins the East, if they can, um, I don't think they will. I, I, I mean, even though they're winning this Miami series, they're not blowing out Miami. 
you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I think they're going to have some growing pains when they play some of the more veteran teams. Uh, obviously, they, they do, though, have the most favorable road to the conference finals, perhaps on either side, because they wouldn't have to face Cleveland or Toronto, assuming both advance, in the second round. Right. That being said, assuming the Celtics move forward, um, the Celtics' defense is so good and so stifling, I wonder if Boston could still survive them. So I'm not jumping on the Sixers' bandwagon just yet. Um, I, I, time will, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but they're definitely good. Get ready for them to be there every, uh, you know, a perennial power soon. But I think this is still a growing pains uh, type of uh, season for them when it's all said and done. And I certainly could be wrong, but yeah, I I can't see them in the final. Do, do you do you know what I mean? I guess by whether or not it's good for the league, just celebrating a team um, well, that basically I mean, stuck the joint up for. So well, years. I think I think if if you ask the league behind the curtain. They want LeBron back. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But if you ask the league behind the curtain, they don't want Toronto because you, you, know, you know this better than I. Like, the TV ratings aren't the same when a Canadian team is in there. You know what I mean? You, no, don't, you yeah. don't get a register on that. Um, but I, I don't, you know, while you say that, to me, the good for the league is always New York and L.A. Yeah, but I guess Mark. I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know that the nation rallies around Philadelphia, and I don't know that either one of the Sixers stars are really. They're, they're growing in popularity, but they're not that popular. Where the nation is like, oh, I want to see them over LeBron James yet. You know, right? And I guess I, I see what you say by that, but I guess what I'm talking about here is celebrating now a franchise that tanked yeah. right in your face for so many years. And now everybody's, yeah. oh, look at the Sixers. Oh, how great this is. And that's what I mean by good for the league. And that's, I guess, rewarding yeah. or celebrating a team that basically yeah. did what you don't want them to do for several years. Yeah, I still don't like what they did. Um, and they made a lot of mistakes along the way. I mean, but, you know, uh, it, to me, it, it wasn't fair to their fans. It wasn't fair to the NBA. It has since worked out probably a little faster than I expected. And I, I anticipated the Sixers being a bubble playoff team, not getting a third seed. But um, I don't. I actually don't think we talk enough about Ben Simmons and how great he is. To me, he's like Magic Johnson reincarnated. Um, I, I think he's going to be a superstar in the league, and as he gets more skilled from a shooting standpoint has the potential to be the heir apparent to LeBron James for best player in the league. Uh, but that is, is a while away. You know, Embiid is certainly a character. Um, and I think he uh, is an amazing player. And he'll, he'll have probably, he'll probably be like kind of Draymond Greenish where you either love him or hate him kind of player. Uh, has certainly has a lot of antics and a lot of say with, will probably be attractive to millennials and unattractive to people in my my your neck of the woods age wise. <laughs> hey, but uh Mark they said the same thing about Shaquille O'Neal and his personality. Yeah, but Shaquille was funny. 
Isn't it's, Joel trying to I be funny? I thought he was. Huh? Isn't Joel Embiid trying to be funny? I think he tried a little hard. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, Shaq was just being Shaq. Um, but, you know, I, 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 but I don't think Shaq tried to embarrass teams. You know, guys fouling out and he's putting, oh, you got your sixth foul. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Shaq, like, so I'm talking about, like, some of those things. Uh, where you you got a guy like Drummond mad at you, you know, like Shaq got you mad at him because he dunked on you, not because of something he said. You know what I mean? No, good. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, yes, I know. You know, know. so it it was. I I never really saw Shaq as a haunter. He he was silly and funny off the court, but his game on the court was just ferocious. I don't even think he really said a whole lot. You know what I mean? It just dunk on you, push you. Got to the point where Dikembe Mutombo called him a monster, but I I never really saw Shaq as a guy who had antics on the floor. You know what I mean? Uh, just, other than eight nicknames and everything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Off the court, silly, but yeah. on the court, ready to play every time. Yes, oh, no doubt about that. Obviously, the Hall of Famer. Uh, Mark, I could talk an hour and a half with you. They won't let me. Um, but I hope I get to see you soon. I hope you're well otherwise. Man, I'm, 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 you know, I'm clean. I showered today. Life is good. I had some good coffee. If you could bring me some um, New Orleans coffee this weekend, I'd appreciate it. Ungrounded, the beans. I like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. I Good chicory. If, if you got candy, I, I certainly would take it. I, I I won't mention brand names here, um, so I will uh, I'll bring maybe a little a little coffee assortment for you. How's that? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Don't don't the Saints and Pelicans have a sponsored coffee? Yeah, um, um, they do. I think. Yeah, community, right? Yeah, community coffee. Oh man, if if, if somehow some community coffee landed on my doorstep next weekend, I might cry. I, I might my know, birthday yesterday, so maybe that'd be a good present. You know what? I think I'll I'm, I think I'll head I think I'll head to the store today to make sure that that happens because I I'll see you this weekend yep. I'm sure. And then maybe I'll, I'll counter it if you're a coffee guy with with some of the berries that coffee has that. Very good. Sounds like an even exchange. Although it, it now now you know it's not a birthday present. <laughs> I'll find a way to get you something uh, from home. Don't you worry. All right. And uh, I look forward to seeing the star that Anthony Davis is continue to rise. This is a great, great thing to see. I'm glad to see the city of New Orleans back in the folks. And uh, it's good to see him healthy, man. I'm glad to see him healthy. And hopefully Boogie will be healthy next to him soon. Because, and I'll say this real quick, and I'll leave you with it. Before Boogie got hurt, I was in the process of writing a story about this is going to be the scariest team to play in the playoffs. It's still a scary team with Anthony Davis driving it. So let's see where the Pelicans go from here, and and the city should certainly be proud. Keep that story on the corner of your desk. We'll revisit here soon enough, I hope. So very good. Mark, thank you. Yep. Don't forget, check out Mark Spears, ESPN's The Undefeated, and he's one of our own, obviously. Great way to end this Monday. Uh, I always enjoy it when Mark can stop by and uh, all the uh, planets and stars are aligning here with this possible second-round series with 
the Golden State Warriors because uh, Mark is based in Oakland now, and so we'll get to see Mark more. And because you're playing the defending champs, man, we're going to run into so many great people uh, that will be covering this upcoming series between New Orleans and Golden State. And and look, the the fact that you've swept your way into the second round, you have great storylines right now with the Pelicans, the superstar factor with Anthony Davis, and now that you're going to line up and take on the Golden State Warriors, uh, this team and, and more importantly, this city is going to receive uh, some unbelievable attention, and I think in a positive way here over the next two and a half weeks. So uh, this is fantastic. I, I just can't think of a better scenario right now for the New Orleans Pelicans and their fans and this city. So very good stuff. I'm sure we'll talk to Mark again here during this upcoming series. More draft coverage coming up on Wednesday. Again, thanks to Wes Durham for stopping by today to talk about the uh, Atlanta Falcons and their situation. On Wednesday's Black and Blue Report, we'll be on the eve of the draft, obviously, and so we'll be heavy on that. And hopefully, uh, based on the NBA action tomorrow night, specifically at Oracle Arena, we should know for sure uh, about the start of the second-round series for the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm not writing off the Spurs in any way. I just know it was 3-0, now it's 3-1, and even still, it's probably just history is not on San Antonio's side here. So I'm not sliding the Spurs in any way. I'm just saying I think that inevitably here it's going to be the Golden State Warriors winning that round one series uh, to move on and meet the Pelicans. So Wednesday will be busy, and we can't wait for you to join. Great weather today. Enjoy it. Great week ahead here, obviously, with the Pelicans and the Saints. Uh, Jazz Fest fires up. We've got golf in town this week, too, with the Zurich. So uh, this is maybe, uh, to me, this has always been one of the best times of the year on the uh, New Orleans calendar. So we're happy to be a part of it. And we uh, thank again our guests today. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your day.